If no one sheds light on what is being done in the darkness, it will never stop. One in three girls and one in six boys are sexually abused and told to hush. Breaking the silence is the first step to healing. Healing is a lifelong journey. Find your voice. Your story matters. Pain put me into hiding. Purpose called me out. May the silence be broken. On today's One Voice podcast, author and advocate Nicole Braddock-Bromley talks with Kendra, a survivor of child sexual abuse and sex trafficking. I'm just so glad that you are so brave to tell your story, first of all. And I know that you've been speaking and um, and sharing things about just your abuse and your story of trafficking, which has been really an amazing part for my journey to be part of your journey, honestly. I met you, I don't remember how many years ago it was, Kendra, but it was when you began to break your silence about what you'd been going through. I spoke at a conference or you read my book, Hush, or can you kind of talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I picked up your book at a youth conference that I happened to be at. I remember um, that it had a crayon on it and that like, I guess, caught the little girl in me Mm, attention. Yeah, the broken red crayon on the cover. Yeah. Yeah. So... I picked the book up and I read the back of it and all of a sudden it was like this veil was just lifted off my eyes and I was like, wow, people talk about this. Wow. So I was like, I put the, actually I put the book back and I was like, no, I'm not buying it. So then the <laughs> next day I went back to the bookstore that was at the church where the conference was okay. and I picked up the book again and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to read it. It can't hurt. Like just read it. So I bought the book and literally that night read it cover to cover and was in tears the entire time. Wow. And I just thought, man, this person that wrote this is like amazing. (laughs) And so it really just stuck with me. Mm. Um, And then the next day I was at a breakout session and, um, you know, there was multiple breakout sessions that were offered, but for some reason this one just I felt like I was supposed to go Mm -hmm. and I went and met a woman there who was sharing her story and it had sexual abuse in it. Mm. And I just was like, wow, like a lot of people talk about this. Like, don't they know that we're, you're not supposed to talk about this? Like, what are they doing? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I remember specifically in your book, I believe the end, it talks about um, finding somebody that you can trust to open up to. And I remember when I was reading the book and I came across that, I was like, who am I supposed to trust? Like my trafficker is a police officer. My parents know about the abuse. Like who in that moment, who do you trust? So I was like, well, okay. All the people you should trust were exactly the ones that were hurting you or knew about it. Right. Right. So when this woman was sharing her story, Afterwards, she said, you know, I'm here available for prayer. If anyone wants to talk or if anything stood out to you, like, come up to me afterwards. So I came up to her afterwards, and she prayed for me, and we just had a very short conversation. I didn't disclose any of the abuse that I had been through. Um, But that night, I went home, and I wrote her a letter. And I even, I was like, I don't even know if she'll be at the conference tomorrow. But I was like, I'm just going to write this letter and ask her if we can be pen pals. And I was like, that sounds cheesy, and she'll probably laugh at me. And, 
you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So I wrote this note and she was at the conference next day and I went to her session again because I was so blown away by it. Mm. And afterwards I gave her this letter and she read it and she was like, absolutely, we can be pen pals. And from there, like just God kind of like orchestrated everything. And eventually a couple years later down the road, I ended up moving in with them. Wow. Um, And that's kind of when I started sharing my story a little bit here and there and it kind of came out um, along the way, but if it hadn't been for your book, like I never would have had the courage or even known that Mm. it was okay, um, to talk about sexual abuse. And I remember that I always was like, man, I just wish I could meet Nicole. If I could just meet Nicole, I just want to tell her, thank you. Mm. And then I had, I never forget. We were at a, um, the viewing for the documentary that we were in together. Right. And my husband actually was like, I knew that you were going to be there. And I remember when we did the recording for the documentary, mm-hmm. um, I was like, man, I really hope to meet Nicole. And then I found out that you actually had recorded the day before I did. And I was like, dang it. <laughs> yeah. so then when we were at the reveal party, my husband, I'll never forget. Um, I was so scared to walk up to you and even say hi. Like, I was like, no, I can't do that. Like, I, don't even know I remember. Like, it was yeah. like celebrity status. Oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I remember him coming up to my book table and you were kind of like in the background and he was, you know, in between us and, and sort of introducing who you were. But I could see that you were nervous. Very nervous. <laughs> and I'll never forget you. He like got a, another book copy for me and like kind of explained like, you know, my wife really wants to meet you and like kind of shared that story of how your mm-hmm. book had impacted my life. And mm-hmm. just that first meeting that you and I had, like I walked away and I was like, man, one day maybe God will orchestrate it so that we could work together. <laughs> and it's just crazy how all the things have come together and these things that we have thought to experience together. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That documentary um, was called Human Trafficking, This Nightmare Will End. And Kendra, you did an amazing job of sharing your story of not only your abuse and just the grooming that happened for you as a young girl, but then how that ended up turning into human trafficking where you were actually being sold as a teenage girl and just such a heartbreaking story of what you've gone through. Um, but now just to see what God has done since you found your voice. And I, it's just the biggest honor to me to have been a part of your journey and that my book hush actually was what helped you find your voice in the beginning, um, to sort of come out and to find your freedom. I mean, if I wrote that book Mm -hmm. for just for you, it was all worth it, Kendra. So I am so grateful for your life and just what God's been doing with you. And now you're a young mom and you're doing it. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're you speaking out. You found your voice. You're um, encouraging others to not only learn about trafficking, but to find their freedom too. I was wondering, Kendra, what do you feel like was beyond finding your voice? You know, we talk about that a lot, breaking your silence, telling your secret to someone you trust. But having been not only a survivor of sexual abuse as a kid, but also of sex trafficking, I mean, there's so much pain there, so much deep Mm -hmm. trauma, things that, you know, some of our listeners can relate to, but some that they never really will because of just the depth of it and the betrayal of people that, like you said, you should have trusted. So what do you think Mm -hmm. maybe if you could lend a key to someone that's listening today of, another piece of your freedom that came later in your healing, you know, after you had shared some, what, what was one of the biggest keys for you? 
I think one of the biggest things and probably honestly one of the hardest things is I actually had a a pretty awesome opportunity um, and I'm very grateful. I wasn't very grateful in the moment, but I was very grateful now looking back that I was able to go to like a residential program that Mm. focused on specifically human trafficking and people coming out of the sex industry and whatever avenue they went down. Mm. Um, And while I was there, I got to focus on me. And it was the first time that I didn't have any other responsibilities. I didn't have anyone else that I had to look after. Their sole purpose was for me to work on me and to find healing through Christ and through different um, Bible studies and workbooks and classes. And that honestly, like that opportunity that I was given is what I can say saved my life um, and really got me on the healing journey. But one of the things while I was there that I did that I think really was a key part to finding the healing that I've had and finding the freedom that I have today is I was asked to write three letters. One was to my stepdad who had sexually abused me. One was to my mom who knew that my stepdad was sexually abusing me. And one was to my trafficker. And in those letters, I was allowed to write whatever I wanted. It could be, I hate you and I want nothing to do with you. Sure. It could be, this is how you've hurt me. Mm -hmm. Um, And at first, when I was given that assignment, I was like, there's no way. I can't can't even write their name on a piece of paper right now. Right. Um, And I really had to dig down deep and really had to get into prayer Um, and really feel the Holy Spirit kind of surrounding me to be able to take those first steps of writing, Mm. you know, those letters. But through writing those letters, by the end of each letter, and I had no idea when I started this, even what I was going to say, but by the end of signing my name at the end of each letter, I was able to write in each of them, I forgive you. Wow. Um, And it wasn't you know, I, I think a lot of times we have this idea that forgiveness is kind of telling the other person that it's not their fault or that it's okay that they did yeah. that to you. Yeah, it's um, a major misconception, I think, of what right, forgiveness right, really right. means. Yeah. Right, right. And I had that misconception for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just like as I was writing, as the words were pouring out of me and the feelings were pouring out of me, I realized what forgiveness really was and what people had been telling me for years forgiveness was. And I just couldn't get it through my head that like, I still had that idea, like no matter what people told me, like, no, it's it's telling them it's okay. And I'm not doing that. And by the end of those letters, just something shifted in my heart where I was able to forgive them so that I no longer was bound by the chains of what they had done. Um, It didn't mean that, I wanted to be around that person anymore. It didn't mean that I was telling that person it was okay for what they did to me. Right. It was me finally saying that I will no longer carry the like rock around my neck that's dragging me underwater. I will no longer carry that because it's not one. It's not fair to me. You have no idea. I'm continuing to do that. It's not mm. hurting you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was finally able to take that, that chain and that rock off from around my neck and kind of give it to God and say, you know what, I'm not going to carry this anymore and I'm not going to allow it to drag me underwater anymore. Wow. And it was really in that moment, I think, where 
that I had that pivotal change where I was like started to see freedom and it wasn't like instant like Mm -hmm. okay I did this and now I no longer have addiction I no longer struggle with eating disorder none of that Mm -hmm. it was just that that was that first step that I needed to really start to walk in freedom Mm -hmm. and did you struggle um with the misconception do you think like of the forgiveness, forgiveness means this, forgiveness means that, and I'm not even going to go there. Um, you know, a lot of times people get really angry when you bring up the issue of forgiveness. And so I think it's important to understand what it really means. But did you ever did you ever struggle with that? Like a lot of just anger when people would tell you, well, this is what you need to do to heal, you know, before you knew what forgiveness really meant? Oh, absolutely. I'll never forget. I had... Um my ex-fiance, so I'm married now, but I was engaged before to another uh, guy that I was with for a while. And the very first time, like I had started sharing with the the lady that I met at the conference I was living with a little bit here and there about what I had been through. And I started to kind of like have those, those weights lifted off to me little by little. So I finally, you know, had gotten up the courage. I think at this time, I'm trying to think of the timeline, but I think at this time, like maybe right before him and I broke up or right after his dad and I were having a conversation and there had been an, um, something that had happened that basically I, they had found out that there was some turmoil within my family and like with my mom and my steps at the time. And like, I remember him asking me like, why do you hate him so much? Like, why, why don't you want to go home? Why? Cause I was older at this point and had been staying with them a lot when I was home from college and, he was like, you know, you never go home and you, you know, you don't, you know, you don't seem to want to be around them. And why is there so much anger? And I had, had told, I had disclosed to him that I had been sexually abused by my stepdad. Yeah. And his very first words out of his mouth were, well, you need to forgive him. Uh. And I remember sitting there after I finally got up the courage to tell you this. And the mm-hmm. very first response is immediately forgiveness and I remember getting so angry yeah I was just like I'm not telling anyone ever again mm, like, understandably you know, so I'm not, if that's how people are going to respond mm-hmm. then I'm not going to share with them because I'm not I don't want to forgive because yeah. I did have those misconceptions at that time well I think it's just hard sometimes too for someone else to tell you when it's time because I think as the survivor of something so horrific we want to be in control of our healing and we want to make the decision when it's time for us to do so. Right. Right. Absolutely. I think when you deal with any sort of sexual abuse or human trafficking, whatever it may be, I think that our power has been taken away from us. Mm -hmm. And when people say things like, well, you have to forgive or it's time for you to forgive, or even I found it in when I choose to disclose it. If somebody is urging me to like, well, you need to tell them what happened to you or you need to share this with them. I don't think a lot of times people even realize what they're doing or mean to do it. But what it makes, at least I have felt, Mm. I don't want to speak for all people, but for what I have felt is that I feel like my power is being taken away again. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that people don't realize that they're doing that or it's that impactful to somebody. Yeah, but it just feels you. You can't even really differentiate the feeling of losing your power through that or losing your power through the actual abuse because they feel one and the same. Yeah, no, I agree. Especially if it's coming from an intimate partner, 
you know, that kind of thing that can really drive a wedge. Right. Or if it's your pastor, you know, another authority figures, I think a lot of times right. it's coming across from someone that might mean well, but just where we are with our past, it's, it's just not something easy for us to hear. And I do think that it's something that we come to in our own personal walk with the Lord when the time is right. And it's not something that someone else can usually spur on for us. Right. And that's what I found with talking to people. Because a lot of times when I do share my story at different events, Mm -hmm. um, there are people that come and talk to me afterwards. And a lot of times I get the question is like, well, did you forgive them? And how did you forgive them? Mm -hmm. And when did you forgive them? And I always tell them it's not a timeline. Right. There is not a step-by-step guide of this is how it should work. Because for everyone, it's going to be different. Mm -hmm. But the one thing I really encourage them is, one, to rely on the Lord, mm-hmm. um, because the Lord will lead you through that step-by-step guideline of when it's right to do such things. But the one thing I really encourage them is keep an open mind and an open heart to forgiveness when it's right for you. Because when you turn your heart off from that, again, you're the one being drugged down yeah. by it. Yeah. And if you're completely turned off from it, you may go through years and years of years of counseling and mm-hmm. Um, working on yourself in workbooks and mm-hmm. Bible studies. And then there's still that part of you that, like, I don't know why I still struggle with this or yeah. why this is such a big deal. And a lot of times it's because you've turned your heart off. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, it, it, okay. It's not always about the actual act of forgiveness. Sometimes it's just about being soft to the idea of it. I think that's a really good point, Kendra. And you also, you know, you were saying all of our healing journeys are different. And I so agree with that. And, you know, and I also agree with the fact that healing is a lifelong journey. And so we have this hope and this happiness and this freedom and purpose that we find along the way. You know, I know that you're there, Kendra, but just as I am, but in some ways we always know that there will be valleys ahead. And I know for you, it's been the same way. It's been that way for me. I mean, you never know what's going to trigger you from day to day. You don't know what lies ahead. And I think it's always good to have that close relationship with the Lord and with safe people around you so that you're able to overcome those dark times. So I'm just wondering if you could share a little bit or if you can even attest to that. And I know you can, but just what, how do you prepare yourself for those moments? Is it... Like me, is it just an awareness and just being surrounded by those safe people and having that relationship with the Lord? Um, or what is it for you? And then also, Kendra, um, what do you do? What do you do when you, things are just getting hard? I mean, I know you just had a new baby. I mean, this is your second child. And, and I know for me, that was triggering. That That's a hard time for anyone, let alone someone mm-hmm. with trauma in their background. So, so how do you hold on? So... I think it, there's multiple ways that I prepare myself. Um, I like to kind of think of it as somebody who's like preparing to go into war. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to train yourself. You don't just wake up and go to war. Like there's a training that takes place. Um, and it's taken a lot of training for me to kind of find what works for me. Yeah. Um, I think what I do um, to kind of prepare myself is first being grounded in the Lord. Um, if I was trying to do this, if you, if I was taking on a battle, for instance, by myself, I'm never going to be successful. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to win that war. Um, that's why you have 
people that you partner with when you go to war. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just one person taking on this entire other army. That's good. Um, so yeah. I think that's the first thing is really mm-hmm. being um, rooted in the Lord and praying a lot, um, mm-hmm. praying protection for myself. Yeah. I definitely think a lot of times that God has taken things out of my path that I don't even know about. Mm. Um, just because of praying that protection around myself. There are times that things mm. get in, absolutely. And in those moments, I immediately go to prayer first and foremost, because I know that if without that, I'm not going to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, I journal a lot just to kind of get some of the things, because a lot of times the words that I'm facing are within myself. Um, oh, and yeah. just things that like I struggle with outside of even just the triggers, I guess. I can trigger myself in yeah. all the time. So journaling and getting out what's in my head, even if it doesn't make sense. I think if people read my journals, they would be like, what the heck? Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. What, what is, where Same. is she going? Like, I'm like a little, like, I jump from point to point. I have sentences that aren't even finished. Like, yeah. it's crazy. But I think getting that out mm-hmm. um, so that I can have a clear mind for when those things come against me. Sure. Um, That's so healthy. I have a a very tight circle of safe people that I know and I will go down the list and continue calling them until I get a hold of somebody. Awesome. That's so smart. Like you have that available, you know the phone numbers you're going to call and if the first one doesn't answer, right. you don't take that as a sign to give up. You keep trying. Right. right. I will call them and call them and call them <laughs> repeatedly until they answer. And a lot of my safe people, we have a rule. If it's something that's an emergency or something that's very serious, we call two times back to back and then they know okay. even if they're doing something and they see the first phone call if they see that come up again they know that this is something that's serious and a lot of times mm-hmm. that's you know if they are busy that's when they'll answer but i think that's a really something that i learned early on in treatment that mm-hmm. call two times and then we'll know that it's like you really need to talk right now mm-hmm. i can't wait till later and i think just self-care mm-hmm. that's a huge one that I didn't realize how important it was until, honestly, this new baby. I realized very quickly I'm not taking care of myself. Self-care, whether it just be something that you enjoy doing, Mm -hmm. um, even just like one of my things for self-care is I try to meet with somebody once a week, just a friend to get out of the house, something I can look forward to if I am having a bad day, like, okay, well, tomorrow I know I'm going to meet with so-and-so. It also holds me accountable that if I do really have a lot of triggers that I just want to stay in my room all day and not even get out of bed, it's like, I know I have an obligation because I've already put that in place with somebody. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, for the most part, I can be like, you know, I don't want to go and I really just want to stay at home and be in bed. But I told that person I was going to be there and maybe they need me. Maybe it's not about me. You know, and that's kind of some of the things I have to tell myself. It's like, well, I don't feel like going, but maybe maybe they need me today. And we don't even talk about me, and that's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but self-care, I think, is very important, especially for somebody who is in the midst of dealing with things and working through things. I think that's a huge thing to have in place so that when those triggers do come, you know, you are prepared. You're not mm-hmm. mentally worn down and already broken, you mm-hmm. know, and really struggling because those things, I think, for me, tend to lift me up a little bit, even if I am going through things. Just, you know, going to get my nails done or going to get my hair done, like little things 
kind of build me up a little bit so that when that trigger, if I'm working through that trigger or that trigger comes, I'm built up a little bit so that I'm not already at the bottom when it hits me. Yeah, that's so good. And it's taken time for you to learn what is really Mm -hmm. good self-care for you. It makes me think how, you know, you and I recently lost a friend, um, a survivor Mm -hmm. that's a leader in this movement, um, a voice against human trafficking, Jennifer Kempton. She was a survivor just like you were. Um, Mm -hmm. She was quite a powerhouse voice sharing her story. And she had an organization called Survivors Inc. where they covered up the branding tattoos that were on survivors of sex trafficking where just like you had, um, you know, something on your body that represented the person who was trafficking you and how amazing it was. The last time that you and I were together was with Jennifer. And that was um, the last time that I saw Jennifer was when you were getting your tattoo covered up. And that was such a special day that we shared And, you know, I know that you and I got together during Jennifer's memorial, you know, that it was really hard to see someone that's a survivor like us, that's a leader like us, that's outspoken. And just to know, you know, how life can be so hard that one day you're here and the next day you're not. And, you know, that was hard for us. But I was I was glad to um, to have some really meaningful talks with you, Kendra, surrounding that. But I wondered, I think it's really amazing to honor Jennifer's work on your actual body. I mean, what she was able to offer you was really cool. I wondered if we could just talk about what it meant to you to have that tattoo covered up. And it was something terrible, a reminder to you of, of your pain and trauma and someone who, who was using you. And now it's this beautiful, I mean, just to stand there and be a part of that journey and, and watch the, it turn into this beautiful um, cage that was open and, and the words on it and just talk about what it looks like now and then what it means to you when you look at your arm. And Jennifer and I actually had the conversation when I did um, the initial interview to mm-hmm. be, to see if I could, you know, have my tattoo covered up through their organization. You know, her and I talked about how it took me a long time to even admit that I had something on my body that was from my trafficker because I knew that if I admitted it to somebody, I had to figure out a way to fix it. Um, and when I admitted it to somebody, it finally became real. It mm-hmm. wasn't just something that I was holding in it. There was light brought to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jennifer and I had had that conversation and she said at that moment, that's when she realized we have to do this cover up mm-hmm. um, because she was like, you deserve that freedom and you shouldn't have to have a way to figure out how to cover it up, you know, let us help you. Right. And now, you know, I look at that new tattoo that I have and it's interesting because I can still see some of my old tattoo. And a lot of people will be like, no, I'm going back and I'm getting it fixed. Okay. And honestly, I don't think I'm going to because not that I want the reminder of what it means, Mm -hmm. but it reminds me, of where I've been. Hmm. Um, It reminds me that I was able to cover up with healing and Mm -hmm. with God what I had been through. Mm -hmm. It's still there. So every once in a while, I don't forget where I come from. That's interesting. Kind of like from, like I talk about scars, you know, scars are, are a reminder of that you had pain and you were going through something. So it's a reminder, it's still there, but it's healing. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 
That's really cool. But now, you know, outside of initially prior to Jennifer's passing, um, I would look at the tattoo and it would remind me of where I've come from, Mm -hmm. what I've been through and the healing that I've had Mm -hmm. and the freedom that I have now. Um, But now it's brought on an even bigger meaning to me of just realizing what Jennifer was about and the the voice that she was and Mm -hmm. the person that, I mean, I really looked up to Jennifer um, and I always said like, when I grow up, I want to be just like her. Aww. And we always joked about that because she was like, you know, I'm just a human being. Like, but she was so influential and had she such was. a big voice in this community and to bring awareness. Mm-hmm. And now my tattoo, when I look at it, is kind of my reminder that what she stood for and how big her voice was and what I need to strive to be. Mm. Um, I really want to, I felt since Jennifer's passing, and I know, Nicole, you and I kind of talked about it, is that now it's time for us who are still here to fill the gap of what she's left behind. Um, And that, my tattoo is a reminder of that for me. It's it's a reminder of what am I doing today Mm -hmm. to bring awareness and to continue to share what I've been through, because I really feel like that's why I've been through what I've been through is because God needed somebody who wasn't going to stand back Mm -hmm. and just let other people share their experiences. Mm -hmm. He knew that once I found that freedom, that I was going to share it with anyone that was willing to listen. Mm -hmm. Um, And my tattoo now is a reminder that I have to do that. That's my job. Yeah. Um, That's what my purpose is, Mm -hmm. is that I am to share what I've been through so that others can not only be educated, but to help those who are still enslaved and who are, have yet to find, bring the light to that and to find their freedom to be that encouragement to them that it is possible. It's hard, but it is possible. You're right. Wow. And certainly God has gifted you in so many ways to be such a bold, wise voice at such a young age. I'm just so incredibly proud of you, Kendra. Um, just your Thank life you. and, and just your heart. I mean... You are just a beautiful, in my eyes, just a butterfly. And um, how God has used you and formed you and continues to heal you um, and just give you wisdom beyond your years just amazes me. Just considering, you know, what I know of your story and, and the pain and trauma that you've been through and the losses in your life. So um, I hope you know that I'm always here for you. I want to be on that speed dial for you. Um, and I love mm-hmm. you so, I love you so much. So, um, I know that we'll probably be talking again because I know you have so much to share with us. And, um, I think our listeners are going to get a lot from, from your wisdom and your story. So, um, I hope you have a great day with your babies and, um, let's get together soon. Okay. All right. Sounds great, Nicole. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Yes, no problem. And hopefully we'll be sharing a stage soon as well. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Coming to a stage near you. (laughs) Amen. All right. Take care, Kendra. Have a great day. You too. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye, We hope today's One Voice podcast was encouraging and insightful for your own journey. You can subscribe, write a review if you heard something you liked, and even share this with friends. You can check us out at IamOneVoice.org or on Facebook.